Ladies and gentlemen and skinwalkers, hello, hello. I'm really happy I got Bill and Adam here with me, my good buddies from the 13 Questions podcast. And I'm really psyched to speak with them again because they were kind enough and gracious enough to invite me onto their 13 Questions podcast. I had a great time and I look back on that recording with uh, quite a lot of fun memories. Anyways, we have a new chapter in our uh, installment of work together. And today I'd like to welcome them both to the Local Listens podcast. So as first time guests, you guys got to get the ritual first question. So whoever wants to go first, Bill and Adam, I'm excited for you guys to introduce yourselves. Uh, but for both of you, let's think about this. When did you start to speak your truth? Oh, man, I guess I'll go first. I, I guess when I started on 13 questions, I did before I became the host, right? I had to go through all the questions. And I think in my episode, we actually did 21 questions. So that was the first chance that I got to sit down and, and introspectively think and formulate concrete, you know, quote unquote, concrete answers to like say into a microphone and put it out there. So that was like really cathartic, right? And uh, I, I guess that would be the genesis of how I found myself where I am now today. I mean, that was a huge opportunity coming from, you know, no, absolutely no experience. Like we were just talking before we started on the, the recording that, uh, you know, I have no audio recording or, or editing or anything before starting 13 questions. So everything I know I've learned from Adam, which I guess is a good, a good segue for his question or his answer. Well, for me, it started off when I was young, uh, pretty much with just the things I was interested in. Uh, you know, watched, uh, read a lot of sci-fi, really interested in Arthur C. Clarke, Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious Universe, um, you know, all the UFO specials, um, X-Files, uh, in search of that kind of stuff just gravitated towards me. So I've always really been into ufology and the deep history that goes behind and understanding that like, well, this is probably the most important thing. And I just latched on to being a believer in that and have always been, you know, probably known as the person who, you know, is always focused on like that's a core of my life. I've always just been centrally focused in thinking about that aspect. And I've always talked about it. And you see how many people are crazy or, you know, consider it to be a crazy thought. But what I've loved about that is when you really start speaking to people about those things, everybody perceives that that's how everybody thinks. But not not nearly as many people give you that uh, that that bounce back. So, yeah, that was really my speaking my truth, really um, just kind of became a thing. Right on, gentlemen. Well, it's pretty cool. I mean, you've both brought up some interesting points, and I just like to point out really quick that the the 13 questions, you know, you guys ask the same 13 questions to, to, to each guest. And what ends up happening is you get totally unique episodes every time. And it's really fun because one, I mean, you've got a really cool question about books and, you know, you've developed this reading list on your website. By the way, you want to just let people know um, what is your website? Uh, anything you want to let people know if they're not familiar with 13 questions, uh, how they could find you guys online. Yeah, the website's really the best place to go. And that's just 13 questionspodcast.com. It's one three, like the, the numbers, right? You don't spell it out. One three questionspodcast.com. Um, for some reason, there's no www in front of it to get to it. So I'm still trying to figure that out with WordPress and how all that stuff works. 
Interesting. So, All right. uh, yeah, but you can find the book list there. There's background on the show, and the hosts have all have bios up there, including Graham and Darren, and uh, of course episodes and the questions. So that's the so. Best. Just to be clear, too, uh, I want to get back to this this uh, book topic. But um, you know, you mentioned Graham and Darren. Uh, we're referring to the Gramerica boys. I was just curious if you wanted to explain uh, really quick. You know how how they are connected to this 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 project um and maybe we can give them a nice shout out because they're uh really truly inspiring gentlemen in this community and uh, i think they've been really great uh folks just to have around to chat with and they've put out a lot of amazing content including audiobooks and all sorts of great stuff so from the the grimerica connection you know would you guys like to speak on what what that's all about Sure. Yeah. Um, I ran into Graham and Darren at one of the, uh, not the first paradigm symposium. I want to say it was the second or third. And then, you know, subsequent, I uh, went to a couple, three of those uh, and ran into them there. You know, I met them in person before I ever even had listened to their podcast. Um, and then just as, you know, time went on, I ended up helping behind the scenes, you know, doing some black budget, you know, editing uh, and things like that. And then, you know, uh, they started the podcast podcast 13 questions it was darren's baby with a bunch of really brilliant people and friends of his uh who you know suggested these questions for him and he uh he put that together was running the show and um that man has you know so many uh different fires going on and you know is is you know uh, taking care of and tending so many things you know he's like need to transition out of this you know so i moved on board uh ran that for a while uh and then the same thing um, you know, Bill was a listener of Grimerica show and he can probably take over from here, but, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he listened to the call and came on board. Nature sure does call, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was a discord message that Darren had put in the chat for the show and I had happened to be there at the right moment in time nice. to catch it and I volunteered. So, well, I'm happy for you guys. And I think you're you've been able to produce uh, a really cool project or at least take the, the reins of this um, awesome experience. And I think, uh, you know, as someone who was previously in the hot seat, as you like to call it, I, I had an awesome time. You guys are awesome hosts and it's not only just the 13 questions, but it's the ability for both of you to ask those follow-up questions to really dive deeper and offer your own insights. And so that's why I really love podcasting in general. It's just so you can really get to know uh, and to learn more about someone and uh, what they've been through. And I had mentioned earlier in the introduction, I look back on my episode with fondness because I spoke about my father a lot and he gave me a lot of great advice. Um, I think we recorded that back in May, uh, maybe around like May, April, May. And he had since passed in October. So I kind of look back on that, like thinking about those those gifts and then, you know, being able to speak on that and share that has been really cool. And so I appreciate you guys for bringing that out of me. And I hope today that we are able to um, dive into a different set of questions. But I, I wanted to circle back to one that we kind of mentioned earlier. You guys have a cool question about books and there's um, a book list on your website. So for people who are not familiar, can you tell us uh, what is the that question exactly, and what is this book archive that you guys have been creating on this website? Sure. the The question is, what is the most influential book on your life, and why? And uh, so we we've been keeping track of all the guest answers that we've received and putting them up on our website. 
in list form by episode number. So it's become quite a, a good reading list that I've utilized. Like I just bought another book the other day. Um, let's go right here. Uh, the four agreements. So I'm, I'm using it and uh, it's, it's just been a wealth of, of deepening learning and knowledge and information and just all around good stuff. Right on. Yeah. It's an awesome topic to get into because, you know, you can talk about people's favorite movies or whatever their favorite, this and that, but you know, when people really invest their time into reading a full book, I mean, that's significant. So I'm glad that you guys have been able to compile that, that reading list. And, you know, obviously the website will be in the show notes, but I encourage people to check out that reading list to see what they might find. And funny segue too, I, uh, I've got to give a shout out to Tim Ferriss of the Tim Ferriss show. Uh, he's put together a list of questions that I'd like to ask you guys. Uh, it's 11 questions from his book, Tribe of Mentors. And this is uh, a list of 11 questions that he asked um, a bunch of famous world-class performers, top chefs, athletes, entrepreneurs, etc. And there's 11 questions here that should be fun to get into. I'd love to hear what both of you think, but just want to be clear. I did not come up with these questions. These are from Tim Ferriss, uh, but I think they're going to be really fun to dive into. And it's ironic because question number one is about books. So whoever wants to go first, uh, the first question is, what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why? That's a hard one. Just well, I can't say gifted, but I can read the most uh, or say the most suggested book that I've ever given out, mm -hmm. which is uh, The War of Art by Stephen mm -hmm. Pressfield, I think it was. Yes. I heard that as a recommendation from uh, Joe Rogan and uh, yeah, incredibly influential. You know, it, it's it's a wonderfully framing way of uh, the artist's mindset and blocking. Uh, and then when you understand that, you know, uh, mantras work. Uh, and you walk down that route, then this becomes an incredibly useful tool for uh, just accepting creativity in and uh, letting it flow. Right on. Yeah. Uh, Pressfield has a great understanding of the personal muse. I think it's really fun to dive into what that could possibly mean for each of us individually. How do we tap into that uh, that fountain of creativity that's within you? And, um, you know, this uh, muse, like this feminine figure who is whispering brilliant ideas to us uh subtly you know mm -hmm. that's still small voice i think it's fun to get into so appreciate you sharing that adam and bill what was uh a book or a couple books that you've given as gifts the most or suggested uh, i'm gonna i haven't given this book out because i've just recently read it myself but yeah. uh, i would if given the chance um but uh, yeah that would be dale carnegie's how to win friends and influence people mm. and that is it sounds like a boring like who wants to read that like the title just makes you sound it makes it sound like a, you know just basic but it's it's uh dale carnegie he he kind of did what uh napoleon hill did in that to just going around and interviewing a bunch of 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 successful people right and finding out what works in the human the human nature and the human spirit and how people tick and uh it's a book that i wish i would have read in my early 20s i'm now mid-30s so uh that would be and even you know 
even if you are older, you're still going to get, I would, I would think that you would, it would be a good refresher for some things that hopefully you've already heard of growing up, like uh, not condemning or, or criticizing people. And uh, yeah, so that would be one that I would definitely suggest going forward. And if I had a bunch of extra copies around, I definitely mail them out to people I knew. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's uh, quite a classic. And I've never read the full book cover to, to cover, but I've seen bits and pieces pulled out and applied like on YouTube videos and things like that. But it's really cool that you bring it up because relationships, having strong, solid and, you know, uh, well, relationships with strong foundations can change your entire life in obviously like romance, but in business and friendships and things like this, it's all built. It's built on that um, that mutual exchange of respect and um, confidence. And I really appreciate um, something else that you brought up too. Well, with how to win friends and influence people, I mean, influencing people can be a dark kind of trick that, uh, you know, when you think about manipulation and influence, uh, it can go in either direction. But this book, from what I've seen, and I'm looking forward to reading the full book someday. Um, is to you know learn more about how you could inspire someone, influence someone to do their absolute best. Kind of like the 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 muse in Pressfield's view, you know how to influence yourself or to influence someone else to uh, reach for that highest potential at all. Yeah, one of the things that he kind of emphasizes is giving the the other person a fine reputation to live up to. So we're bringing in higher ideals when speaking about a specific situation so appealing to that higher that higher sense of truth or goodness or whatever is going to benefit the most people or the two parties in that situation so i think that it can i mean it, there is it, it can be used to maybe a little trickery there but um that would be you know that would be more more nefarious and not really the highest you know what he he would argue for yeah the first word that comes to mind is symbiosis and it's cool you're creating an environment with your relationships that benefit everyone uh like a mutually assured growth kind of uh that's the magic right mag the mutually assured growth <laughs> that's our well you can always magic. persuade somebody in a direction that's negative towards them or positive mm -hmm. towards you or you could say how about we persuade things in a direction that's positive for everybody. Right. And then, yeah, you're still being influential. Yeah. You're still maybe being greedy. Uh, but you know, when you start to understand that, you know, you can do things that will make a person way more likely to answer a second question as yes or no and help you. Hmm. Well, that could be influential, but you could go, well, why would I also treat a person in a way when they would not want to help hmm. me? So yeah, just once you understand that kind of, you know, those aspects of the world, we can work together. Yeah, it's crucial. Awesome. Well, uh, the second question here, I like how you guys uh, frame your podcast too. You're like question two, but uh, <laughs> I'm just going to move on here. Um, this has been fun so far. I think, you know, for these 11 questions, uh, we're going to be able to touch on a lot of different areas of you know, life in general, but at the same time, I mean, just from that, that first question, those two books that you've already mentioned, I feel like there's a lot of, as my friends like to say, there's a lot of gravy there and just in those two books and in those two topics and how they merge together. Uh, so let's go to question two. It says what purchase of a hundred dollars or, or less has influenced you the most or has made a positive impact 
in your in your life in recent memory? $100 or less? Billy, you want to go first? Yeah, this is super recent, and I can't. I know that it asks, asks for specific brand models, so the Squatty Potty. Um, I don't have an actual Squatty Potty, but I have this little tiny wooden bench that is like the size of a Squatty Potty. So I've just like literally in the last two two days been quote unquote using experimenting with that, right? So I think that uh, that is definitely less than a hundred dollars. I would I would hope. So <laughs> good choice, Bill. I did not know that. Game changing product. I bought one years and years and years ago when they came onto the market at the recommendation of uh, one of the Grimerica guys, and I was like. $60 piece of plastic. Okay. This seems like it was a waste of money for what you're getting, but oh my God, it's been the best purchase ever. I can second that. And I, uh, when I moved from Connecticut down to Texas, I didn't bring my squatty potty with me. And I kind of, I just thought about it now since you brought it up, like maybe I should get another one. Cause when you have a, a healthy digestive system, you know, it's kind of like the correlation, happy wife, happy life and uh, it's definitely uh your gut and your brain need to work together and that so um yeah. makes a lot of sense i appreciate you saying that and just uh because we we're talking about poop here quick poop joke you know you have the best poop of your entire life i call it the one wipe wonder so let's all aspire for that <laughs> anyways adam what did you think a hundred dollars or less a hundred dollars or less i'm gonna have to go with a all right. It's a it's a product made by Color Therapy or Purple Canyon. Sorry, it's Purple Canyon. They're color color therapy glasses. I suffer from migraines. So I recently started working from home here within the last six months. So um, I was like, OK, well, what can I do? And I found that, you know, since I've been doing this, there's a lot of green products on the market, not like environmentally green. But you can see I'm actually bathed in a light here that's green. Got my window open, but that green light is uh, I forget the frequency, but it is a specific millimeter wave of green L uh, LED light uh, that is used for reducing pain or causing less pain in people that have migraines. And then I also have these Looking green good, my color therapy glasses that, uh, yeah, it's amazing uh, when I have a really bad headache uh, or a migraine just to, you know, uh, sit down and put these on and have it literally reducing pain, you know, uh, decreasing my suffering. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game changing product and yeah. opening my eyes really to the idea that, Hey, you know, you're in the forest, you're around all these frequencies. We already know that there's these terpenes in the air that are mm. greatly beneficial to your immune system that just hover at, you know, three to six feet, you know, the, the level that we're breathing at and also the color, you know, could it be that I'm suffering you know, negative mental health effects, you know, migraine because I'm not bathed in the light of the forest. So yeah, uh, it's being able, nice being able to have that technology in my life. So yeah, definitely these glasses are like eight bucks. And then uh, I don't know, it was probably like 30 bucks for three bulbs. Right on. Do they also act as blue light blockers? Uh, I do not know. I mean, uh, they're allowing a certain frequency through so they're probably blocking out a certain amount of blues but they're not designed specifically to block out blues well right on well i'm sure you know if you're if you got a migraine and you gotta take a poop you know you th throw them on there you're gonna have a very relaxing experience but that's a that's a really cool i've never heard of that before i was curious um you know 
are you uh are you guys an affiliate or is this just something that you uh found no just just found on my own and started using yeah no i got bill the purple ones uh one of the themes of our yeah our podcast is uh purple and green so uh do you guys want to talk about that really quick uh because i i decided you know to get a new logo for my my podcast it's got a purple and green not as profound uh but i'm curious uh because i've got my own reasons for doing that but you guys want to speak on the uh color scheme that you guys have decided on yeah absolutely uh well the, the purple i guess i'll start there because i'll i'm wearing the purple glasses <laughs> um is kind of a, a homage to grammarica they're one of their some of their logo work has has purple in it but also the purple is uh purple is a color of royalty and sovereignty and freedom and uh it corresponds with the the higher chakras on your on top of your head so uh, which also deals with you know sovereignty and uh it's it's just a uh i think a cool color and it brings to mind uh, ideas of of like i said freedom which i think everybody can get behind plus uh, some of my favorite gems are, are purple like amethyst we have a, a gratitude jar that we kind of maintain on on the show featuring a tons of purple gemstones like lepidolite and uh calcite pink calcite and amethyst and all bunch of other stuff but uh yeah it's that purple has just been kind of like a recurring mm. i don't know motif before for- we we talk about green could you uh explain what the the gratitude jar is that that sounds pretty cool i know this is part of your uh introduction in your podcast but what is the gratitude jar exactly well since we are value for value anybody that wants to connect with the show can uh, just send us an email or, or make, make a donation or whatever. And we'll take your name and put it right with purple ink. I'll write it, your name or email in purple ink. I'll put it inside this six cup Mason jar. I have on a green, uh, tartan and it's surrounded by these, uh, like I was saying, a uh, purple colored, uh, gemstones. Uh, we have a green one and a blue one in there too, though. So they're not all purple, right? But, uh, these stones have certain metaphysical properties, uh, which facilitate in creating the heart-brain coherence, which is something that Adam and I like to talk about um, before we get into, before when, when we publish the episodes, right? We record the intros after the interviews. So it's to, to prep everybody before delving into these kind of introspective topics to kind of think from, you know, the heart space. So connecting the heart and the brain uh, is kind of something that uh, these stones, stones help to do. And in a kind of like quantum entanglement type of way, your name added to to the, the pile, I guess, for the jar will kind of uh, facilitate, could facilitate and help helping you, uh, you know, make that connection. So uh, we do kind of go over, we do go over each stone in not all the intros, because we don't have a stone for each episode, right? So you kind of got to go back and search through them. Um, I will tell you that they do start on episode 98, I believe, or 99. So start from there and go forward i think we've got probably like a dozen now close to a dozen i haven't counted in a while i could do that very right cool now. Yeah. yeah nice and uh adam tell us about the green because you know i bill just brought up the heart and the brain connection the heart and the mind connection maybe that's a correlation as well what do you think yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and uh to dive back in because in case anybody's interested in getting these bulbs um they're made by a company called mrp uh migraine relief green led light uh, so uh, they're 520 nanometer green light frequency. So it's a very narrow band. 
Uh, but I highly recommend them out to anybody uh, out there that is a migraine sufferer. Can't promise anything, but it did work for me to help. And it's pretty wild because after you put them on and you walk out into normal light, everything becomes like pinky peachy in a, uh, uh, a disorienting way. It's kind of mm. fun. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So did you want to speak about, uh, you know, cause we're talking about the logo, the color spectrum. Uh, is there anything else that we should talk about for the uh, green color and the logo or should we move on? What do you guys think? Uh, green corresponds to the heart chakra too. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where that ties into the, the heart brain coherence. And, brain heart. Uh, yeah. Got it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, you know, we were kind of joking earlier about the, uh, and I was looking at the logo, like you guys have two different ones. You got this one, uh, with the cockpit of some kind of airplane and then the other one has, um, an infant or, you know, a baby. And it's cool that it's two very different themes, uh, in flight or, uh, recently out of the womb or, you know, something like that. It's, a uh, pretty cool. Um, and I appreciate you guys speaking on the colors because that's something that um, from a design perspective, it's really cool to consider what the deeper, perhaps esoteric meanings are. Um, and I appreciate learning more about the gratitude jar as well. But as we, as we move into the third question, this one is interesting. I really like this one because it's got a, uh, a two-part nature. So number three is how has a failure, a failure set you up for success. And when you think about that, do you have a favorite failure of yours? So Adam, do you want to start with that one? Yeah. Yeah. I would say it's from the perspective that it gave me. I used to work in uh, loss prevention and we had a significant amount of money uh, going missing. Turned out that, or not money, a uh, product um, somewhere like uh, we're looking at, you know, probably grand total over 120,000 over years, but 30 to 40,000, you know, uh, estimated over, you know, four or five years. No idea, you know, thought it was outside, uh, working one morning, caught some good evidence on camera, uh, you know, glint off of glasses back when cameras weren't that good and mm. realized that it was somebody that we knew very well who helped out on a lot of other cases uh, you know, was, you know, always giving us information, incredibly nice, really like, like a person that you would never suspect and stop them later that day after identifying they had a large amount of merchandise, mm. uh, and, and closed a big case, but it blew my mind because, uh, that one really shifted and changed me. And then I had a bunch of other cases of seeing, you know, uh, people, you know, with their, their parents and, you know, loved ones, and they had no idea that they were doing something wrong and how dumbfounded they were in. Uh, you know, but that event right there let me know like, wow, I, not that I feel betrayed, but how did I not even conceive that this was a possibility? And after that, you know, I, I, you know, I jokingly say, you know, if I caught my mother stealing, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I would be surprised, but because at that point, nothing is surprising. And it, it just, it really just opened me up into uh, just human beings and the capability and what to be, to always be on the lookout to, you know, not, not trust no one always, but uh, you know, don't always trust yourself. You might be wrong. So I don't know. It was, it was a beautiful perspective. So if that's a failure. Um, yeah, um, that's interesting. Cause it, it, it speaks on not only uh, being open to possibilities and human nature, but also 
you redirected the failure onto not onto the perpetrator, but you know, you directed it back onto yourself as like a way to grow as to be like, well, how, how did I uh, play a role in this happening? And you know, how, how can I grow from that point? So that's interesting. Um, yeah. That's my biggest continual failure through life is just, you know, you misjudge people hmm. and you start to see things in patterns and, you know, repetitive things in other people. And, you know, you, you get really, really good as long as you're paying attention and trying to, you know, essentially deconstruct every person in every situation. Uh, but once you do that enough, like you don't get upset when something happens to you that you didn't see it. You're like, you know, I should have saw that coming. And now next time it comes, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it a mile away. Mm. So I don't know. I, I, that's my, I, I, it's not that I like being portrayed or surprised, but at the end of it, I feel like I come out with a lot more tools under my belt. So if I can survive, I'm stronger for the next encounter. Yes, you're gaining perspective for sure. All right, Bill, how has a failure set you up for a later success? Or do you have a favorite failure of yours that you'd like to speak on? Sure. Uh, I would I would say that I went through a, a divorce in my early 20s, and that is an apparent failure. And I would say that it would it for, set me up for later success because it really, uh, I got married in the Catholic church, right? So uh, I grew up in the Catholic church from, you know, kindergarten all the way through high school. And then I spent some time in seminary after that, uh, decided that wasn't for me, but that's another story. Um, the, uh, so I met this one young woman and we got married a very young age, kind of rushed into it. I would say hindsight, right? But uh, that uh, that kind of made me take a stronger look at uh, Catholicism and, and my faith and, and my relationship to God. So that was really the kick in the butt, which kind of started the whole, well, let's, let's dissect everything I've been told further and see what everything's actually all about. Yeah, very nice. It's uh, those paradigm shifting events, uh, whether it's uh, loss of of love or the loss of stability in a belief system. Uh, while they are like very very turbulent, they can also offer uh, like a lot of clarity as well. So it's tough to go through that, I can imagine. But at the same time, just like uh, Adam had had spoke on, you know, the the perspective that you can gain from those types of experiences is enormously beneficial and you know profoundly helpful um, especially when you meet someone down in the uh later on you know you, you'll probably come across someone who has the same problem and you're you're going to be able to help them uh, maybe this goes back to the uh, wounded healer archetype of chiron and that's always fun to think about how your your struggles and your pains and your failures set set you up to help the next person deal with that same issue or a similar issue that's interesting i appreciate that now, this one's fun because when you listen to Tim Ferriss's podcast, and I don't know, do you guys ever listen to any of his uh, interviews? Do you guys ever? Nope, I'm not a regular listener. I have not, no. Yeah, he's got a couple interesting ones. I don't tune into all of them, but usually at the end of each episode, he'll he'll ask question number four as a way to like close it out. But I'm going to go in, in order to honor the uh, original list. So this is number four. It's if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, any kind of message. So it could be like one sentence or one or two words, however much you want to fit onto it. Uh, what would your billboard say? So Bill, you want to start with that one? Yeah. The, uh, I was reading the question a little bit 
before we started, and I did come across a quote that Philip K. Dick said, right? And I put it on Instagram a few days ago. But uh, since we're talking about a billboard and it's a medium for, you know, uh, uh, communicating messages with with it, not only images, but words too, right? So I thought maybe a billboard with a, a quote about words would be kind of kind of like a, I don't know, neat little put together, you know, not synchro, but just, uh, da, 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 you know what I'm saying? But anyway, <laughs> <billboard>. <laughs> yeah, the quote is uh, the basic tool for manipulation of realities and manipulation of words. Mm. If you can control the meaning of words, you can control the people who must use the words. So uh, this, this whole concept of words being used for manipulation but words and, and spelling right uh we use word we spell words we cast spells um what we're doing right now is a spell we're making you think about a certain thing so this concept is just something that uh i think is interesting to think about and how it uh, affects us subconsciously even too so i think awesome, that was- man yeah that reminds me of terence mckenna because he would speak on those same ideas a lot and he'd be like the world is made of language and if you use the right words you can make of it whatever you want <laughs> uh, it's fun to think about. yeah <laughs> thank you uh, i'm not irish but you know i try to be sometimes st <laughs> saint patty's day um well adam uh what would you have on your billboard what would you say something like find your own magic the idea that you know, the world can tell you so many things are real or what is a reality. But once you have the experiential proof, uh, dowsing rods are a good one, you know, get some dowsing rods or bend your own and, you know, try it out and do it, you know, cheat, right? Like step over a plugged in electrical cord. That's the easiest one for me. That's what blew my mind. And then I started walking around finding, you know, just that, oh, there is an actual pipe here. You know, there's underground electrical, but it works and you feel it. And, you know, you, people can naysay all they want, but until it hits you, uh, remote viewing, I think is another incredible one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of people that have success on that on their first time, uh, I have a podcast uh, that I haven't done in a while that's coming back, uh, but we've done this and we've done this with guests on the show that have never done it before. And when you start to realize that you can perceive things outside of your location, you know, uh, outside of local time, and you you experience that, and now what's your view on the world? What's possible? Anything that any scientist tells you when you start to understand that distance, time, space, uh, perception, all these things can be very slippery. So even in the face of something like an ultimate catastrophe, a cyclical disaster that is going to come and scour the earth, liquefy the ground, uh, you know, change the poles and, you know, knock us down to, you know, thousands of people in the face of all that. What does it really mean when we can connect across time and pull through information and you can exist across these distances? Well, how far does that go? Hmm. You know, because maybe there's something to it that's always there. And then when you start to think in those ways, yeah, it can become an incredibly magical world that you don't have to be fearful of. So uh, simply something like find your own magic, you know, find some experience, uh, you know, when you hear that voice in your head that says something and you see it, when you see the flash of something that's going to happen moments before it does, that thinking about somebody before a phone call, uh, you know, all these things are natural phenomenon. And if you focus on them, then you you can at least believe a different reality than is uh, the one that's being fed to you. Right on. Well, there's two things I want to comment on. Like one, 
with this Zoom call that we're on right now, I mean, it might seem mundane to most people, but this is truly magical that, you know, this is possible now. And then you could extend that even further. And I'll tell you a quick story. I used to do an internship for this Christian publishing company called Guidepost. And they put me on this really fun project. They wanted to write a Christian version of the near-death experience stories. So they were asking me to find all the, the NDEs where people saw Jesus, where people saw the Holy Spirit. And it's tricky because as I started doing research, you find that based on someone's cultural lens, they would see different things. So like if a Buddhist uh, had a near-death experience, they might see the Buddha. You know, they, there's a lot that goes into that. But what I really want to comment on is after doing this really fun research, which actually led me often to um, the Skeptical Podcast with Alex Karras, he has a lot of NDE research on there. And it was fun because you you figure out eventually that people who, so like, I'll give you an example. There was this woman who died. She quote unquote died temporarily and floated up above her physical body. And she was listening to this conversation that was being had between the doctors and the nurses. And they literally pronounced her dead. They wrote down her time of death and everything. So like they were already in agreement that she was gone. And then somehow she, she came back. She was able to tell the story with really precise detail that if she had been dead, there would have been no way she could have heard or seen any of this. I mean, her eyes were closed, so it's not like she would have been able to see certain things. So yeah, it's really fascinating. Uh, consciousness is definitely not local to our physical body, but in the same way, it's a topic that we could each um, interact with through remote viewing or any kind of modality that suits you. Um, I've personally never tried remote viewing, but my experiences with lucid dreaming and astral projection um, have definitely opened me up to that idea, um, sometimes accidentally. And <laughs> so uh, I hope to get into that some more. I think we should definitely follow up on that and maybe do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's nothing crazy because it's things that you do normally. All, right. uh, all it is is saying, okay, well, so if you do have these abilities, Here's a protocol, a, a set of things to do, a way of thinking that allows you to get a result. And it's very simple. It's focus your mind and clear it so you have nothing in your mind because the enemy of this is perception. It's your ideas. You know, I've I've done, uh, I'll give you an example. I did one where I thought I saw something like a plastic bag in like the ocean. And, you know, um, I'm seeing this like, you know, thing and I'm trying to describe it. So I'm like describing a plastic bag. But the problem is I'm describing a plastic bag instead of describing the shape. And it turns out that the target for the episode was a uh, like a hot air balloon over the ocean. And so it's like it's such it's the exact same thing. But if I said it's this, no, you're completely wrong. So when you're looking at this information, it's being impartial. So it's clearing your mind focusing on a time, a very specific place. It doesn't even have to be a target. Mm. That's the real trick to it. Um, you know, if you want to uh, start even thinking about it, and uh, when I uh, read Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich, he talks about sitting in a dark room and like focusing on people and trying to experience a person's consciousness. And well, I'm like, well, that's kind of like remote viewing a person. It's remote viewing this information at a specific place. You just have to know very specifically what you want to look for and where and keeping your mind open to it. And yeah, everybody yeah, has yeah. And that's the basic concept, you know, research online, uh, you know, hit a couple tools and protocols. There's some really uh, good, good magazine out there called 
uh, 13 martinis that you can look up. Uh, we'll give you a deep dive into it. It's like a, uh, you know, a bi-yearly uh, publishing. I highly recommend that. 13 martinis. Sounds pretty cool. It's called. I'll double. Let me nice. double check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All 13 martinis. Cool. All right. Well, that was fun. And I think, uh, you know, as we're approaching the halfway point, um, I appreciate what's been said so far, because as I expected, you know, we've hit on so many different topics already. So it's cool that, uh, you know, this was not really like planned out. I didn't send you guys these questions like ahead of time. I sent them like 10 minutes before. So <laughs> we have uh, been able to have some spontaneous magic happen in this Zoom call. Uh, so I'm happy for that. And for number five, Bill, We've got a similar question to the $100 purchase, but this one is just in general, what is the most worth, worthwhile or best investments you have ever made and why? And it doesn't have to be money. It could be an investment of time or energy, um, anything in that regard. What would you say is the most valuable investment you've ever made? So I guess you could say my answer is super general, but I, I, would, I would have to say my, my bachelor's degree. And I know that college isn't for everybody. And certainly mine, my degree doesn't do, didn't do me any favors. Believe me, like I, I majored in philosophy, right? So uh, my current day job has absolutely nothing to do with philosophy. So, but uh, what, what it did do is uh, I think it, it helped me get my current day job. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of headhunted. I just had it out on, on Indeed actually. And my current employer found me, but I feel like had I not had that as a prerequisite for my, to put on my resume, right? They probably would have, would have skipped over me, but it is something that uh, companies uh, look for. I'm not saying they verify if it's true or not, but they definitely look to see if it's you know on their their potential employees you know sheet of paper, right? So um, yeah, that would be mine, just in the most practical sense because it it has, I mean, it's paid off. <laughs> oh, good, good, yeah. And it's it's funny that you know that's not like like maybe. I don't know what your particular job title is, but it's funny that philosophy will play a role in any kind of career. And it's funny that it was definitely a standout item for yourself uh, that this recruiter saw and was like, wow, okay, that's someone who will be able to think critically in times that aren't so clear. And so I think it's really cool. I um, don't hear many people speak about their college experience other than like the fun, but like I'm glad that you're uh, speaking about it with gratitude because I feel the same way. And, um, you know, the financial burden sucks, but I'm really happy that you got something positive out of it. It's really cool. Adam, what would you say is uh, your most valuable investment of time, money, energy? What would you say? Yeah, I would probably say um, Studio One. You know, if I'm talking about like uh, just uh, there one piece of software that has really influenced and changed me and uh highly 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 recommend that to anybody that's into music producing or even podcasting it is professional music software um but thankfully uh you can now get it for like 16 bucks a month which sounds like a lot of money but when you consider that back in the day to buy the program with everything was a $300 investment mm. and every time a new version would come out you would have to if you wanted to upgrade buy the new one and now Free upgrades all time. I, I don't know. It's it seems like the best thing ever, and it's uh, been a core tenant of my podcast producing and abilities. So, yeah, Studio One. Right on. And even, obviously, uh, all recording... the energy that goes into podcasting around that, you know, oh, yeah. right into that same central thing. But I, I could not have done it. I started off using, you know, Audacity, which is incredibly powerful, but the UI on it is just 
works against the way that I think. And uh, <laughs> coming previously from that in uh, GarageBand, oh, so angry with Apple. Mm. But that's a different story. Humble beginnings. <laughs> hey, uh, ha- have you been recording any music lately? Uh, just kind of jamming for fun uh, what's been going on with music in your in your in your personal i have i've been testing stuff out i have some really old stuff that i've done for podcasts but uh with bill here you know uh looking to create another it's got got me into the music producing um so yeah i know i've been dabbling around back in studio one running some loops through um so yeah no i've i've absolutely been doing that and that's the cool thing not not to be you know a commercial for uh, studio one but once you get it you get all the plugins and tools and loops and you know just as an example once you you know get it you can uh watch a video on the killers i think it was uh somebody told me that you had a boyfriend that looked like a girlfriend that song uh somebody told me uh produces the entire song within studio one so you can see just how it's done uh, so, that's pretty cool yeah it's yeah. it's it's an incredibly powerful tool so yeah if you're into music producing yeah my, mine don't sound that good i i all right. Well, that's uh, it's uh, fascinating. I, it's funny, you know. I use Audacity and this free program for video editing called DaVinci Resolve, and it's uh, pretty fun. But I know I'm scratching the surface on the potential. Oh, listen, I... Audacity is amazing. It has yeah. every <laughs> single thing that you could ever need. Yes, um, it is clunky though. I agree with you. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, if you ever want to learn, hit me up. I'll teach you. I would love to. Yeah. I've been doing a uh, video edits. I'm, you know, always looking for, for clients and I'm trying to get better. Um, hopefully I can film my own footage too. I've been using a lot of stock footage and AI art that's available on places like Instagram. But um, anyways, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. And I'm glad, I'm glad uh, <laughs> that, you know, we, you've shared two very different answers. So this is a uh, pretty interesting to consider. Um, and, you know, as we go to number six, this one's fun. What is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? What would you say, Bill? I really like this question. Um, I think uh, absurdism itself is kind of interesting thing that uh, I don't know if I love it, but I definitely like learning more about it. I think that the idea of trying to get a point across using absurdism is fun and unusual. Um, But I guess I don't know more on a serious level. I don't know, serious chicken and waffles isn't serious is it <laughs> um i would say being healthy is unusual nowadays right so i just started a workout routine and for my birthday actually in last november i started on my birthday so it was my gift to myself kind of um but uh yeah so that's been a new habit i've been forming uh, it's been uh, been working with todd cave he's been along the uh He's been around podcast circuit a while. He just recently spoke on air at Anarchapuco, I believe. So um, great guy. I love working with him. So creating that new habit, I guess you could call it unusual because it just seems like the majority of Americans are still obese, right? I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you that you decided <laughs> to invest in you know the, the exercise. Uh, and for the unusual part, I can definitely relate. You know, If you're making certain dietary choices or avoiding certain things, socially it could seem absurd um like if you go to someone's birthday and you're like oh, i'm not gonna have any cake because i don't want to feel crappy the next day and it's like whoa that's so offensive how dare you not eat birthday cake it's like whoa okay easy there <laughs> but no it's uh pretty cool i i appreciate that you uh stick to your guns on that and yeah it might seem absurd to to, to others but it's important um none nonetheless so i respect that greatly 
Adam, what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Yeah, uh, I'm pulling right from the question. And and that is what Bill said. It's absurdism. Uh, uh, I grew up uh, very luckily reading Christopher Durang, the playwright, as a as a young person. And he's one of the few true absurdist writers. Uh, Baby with the Bathwater sticks out to me as one of the, the most absurd things that I read. And it's highly offensive. He, his writing is always highly offensive, no matter who you are. It is absurdism to the extreme. And and I love having that perspective because as crazy as the world is getting and as bad as things are, it's like this is like Running Man is no longer a farcical movie. It, it is a, a tale coming true. Uh, it's like idiocracy. Like, uh, you know, you watch them now with a new perspective on the past and you can only laugh because we're getting a free ride to the most absurd thing. And if you cannot laugh at how stupid and crazy everything is, then you're going to go insane. So yeah, uh, absurd absurdism in itself. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Idiocracy and the Matrix are my two favorite documentaries. You know what I mean? Documentaries, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. It's good to laugh it off. That's the only way we can get through this for sure. But uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, comedy is what makes this such a rich and rewarding experience. So I appreciate any absurd point of view, especially if it points to something true or that I find to be true for myself. So it's uh, it's pretty fun. Now for number seven, lucky number seven. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life or your lifestyle? Adam, you want to start with that one? A new belief, a new habit, or a new behavior? Yeah, I would probably just say diet. Really, really focusing on uh, not putting garbage in, reading all of the ingredients. Uh, pretty militant about it, you know, finally realizing that there's a direct correlation between so many different foods and how I feel and headaches and uh, all these uh, other health effects that, yeah, I, I'm a militant reader, you know. Uh, if it's got more than six ingredients, probably not going to be eating it. And if I do, there's only like two or three products that I ever stray from and, you know, mm. When Gatorade is like the worst thing on my list, then I feel like I'm doing pretty good. But yeah. otherwise, it's like, yeah, uh, almond butter, jams made with like pectin, you know, mm. <laughs> sugar, lemon juice and cherries. Like, uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much my diet, eggs, meat. And that's had a, a huge impact on uh, my health and how I feel. Right. So on, just right. eating whole foods. I always tell people, if you can't pronounce it, don't eat it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm absolutely too. terrified when I look at the foods and the things that people are eating. And even the things that you think are healthy, you're like, oh, look, it's almond butter, but it's got palm oil in it. It's like, oh, you know, this is this wonderful product, but we've got, you know, uh, um, like, uh, what am I trying to think the of? Seed oils, oil. the exactly. polyunsaturated fatty acids. Yeah, hydro hydrogenated, you know, and it's like, okay, well, it's awesome and it's creamy and it doesn't melt, which means that it's sludge inside of your body. So yeah, like you literally are what you eat. Like one of the most sought after bears is a blueberry bear, a bear that when you shoot it uh, in hunting has been feasting on blueberries and it has a blue color to its meat. It has an aroma and never had it before, but it's supposed to have a wonderful taste. And then you go, okay, well, if, if just eating blueberries affects you that much, then what happens if I'm only eating you know, X, Y, Z, garbage, chemical, artificial flavor. Uh, you know, my favorite's natural flavors. It's like, what is a natural <laughs> oh, flavor? God, yeah. Spit is natural flavor, you know? What a deception. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I'm looking at this product and you've got eight ingredients and they're all super simple. And you put natural flavor. I'm like, what don't you want me to read? Mm. 
it's very it's very uh they're they're hiding something for sure <laughs> it's uh exactly yeah wow all right i appreciate that you know i think we, we can all relate to that um being militant too is uh can be socially tough or even just having the discipline to do that but at the same time the reward that you get reinforces that attitude 100 percent. so i Appreciate you you sharing that. And Bill, what did you think about a belief, habit, or a behavior that has benefited you a lot recently? It would be gratitude. Absolutely, hundred percent gratitude. Uh, I know that we talk about it a lot, and maybe too much, not too much. You can never talk about gratitude too much, but I know that uh, it uh, can come off as superficial because just uh, it could sound like entering in the state of gratitude and and just trying to carry that forward is, is that's where the challenge is right anybody can sit for a second and think of things three things to, to make them happy right but then it's it's taking that lens and trying to see the rest of your day through that is is something that's been huge a huge impact for me yeah man right on that re that revamps your entire nervous system like i remember driving recently and you know, someone cuts you off and you feel like this pressure bubble up in your chest and you want to get angry and like uh, maybe tailgate them or honk at them or flip them off. And and then you can return to a state of gratitude and it will bring you back to homeostasis. And um, on that as well, I found this cool tweet thread. It was like, name something that's better to do while you're sitting in a sauna than scrolling on your phone. I was like, wow, I First of all, I want to go into a sauna because that sounds awesome. Uh, but second of all, uh, what I decided to write as a response, just you know, feeling like I was being clever, was count your blessings. And I, I put the infinity emoji after that. <laughs> uh, it made me feel pretty good to uh, put that out there. So I'm glad you brought that up. And um, I think you can never talk about gratitude too much. I agree. It's, uh, it's a state of existence that is going to benefit everyone around you, including yourself. So I, th I think it's uh, helpful to remember that, especially when times get tough, for sure. Count your blessings. Numero ocho, numero ocho. What advice would you give to a smart, driven college student about to enter the real world? And what advice should they not listen to? So the first part is, what advice would you give to that college student? Second part, what should they throw away? Adam, you want to start? Yeah, the first one is everything happens in cycles and, uh, you know, nothing is new. Everything is just being redone in a different way. Uh, very specifically, just because when I grew up, you know, I, I used to think like, oh, you know, uh, you know, we're going through where we used to have more of a puritanical way of thinking and things you couldn't talk about and it's going forward. And now the things that you can't say on podcasts, you know, that you can't say dead, dying, death, these weird, weird things in normal conversation that... I, I just it 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 is not the place that I thought society was going to. And then I go, oh, well, if you look throughout history, this has happened before. And so, oh, so now it's taking me, you know, till, you know, probably 35 years now, 40 to really start to realize that you see enough things start to repeat and you can look back at history and you go, OK, so, yeah, I tell people to, you know, just realize that is a fact and that is going to help you navigate the world better. Um, as for what I would uh throw out. Um, I would say that most people really need to just kind of focus on what they feel is right. You know, uh, when it comes to, you know, what is right and wrong, most human beings understand, you know, doing right and doing wrong. But, you know, when you pay attention to what your friends are doing and you let that influence come in or the corporation, 
you know, as soon as you beholden yourself to something else that, uh, you know, people do a lot of bad things all the time. So yeah, just try, try to throw all that out. And if it feels genuinely like you're doing the right thing, then, you know, keep doing it unless you're hurting other people because you're probably right. Absolutely, man. You reminded me of one of my favorite classes. It was called um, Morals and Ethics. And it was interesting because we we speak about how, you know, I'm going to make a blanket statement, forgive me, but human beings should be born with like a natural moral sense, a moral compass that it's wrong to hurt others. Um, it's good to help others. And this is a natural like divine spark within us, which makes us human. But it's the ethics that are shaped by culture. And, you know, you could be in one culture and the ethics say it's OK to be a cannibal or it's OK to eat this animal um, or it's not OK to do this. It's not OK to do that. It's our cultural ethics that shape our behavior. But in baseline, like the the hardware that we're all born with um, as these human flesh creatures, we all have that moral compass. So that's really interesting. You should follow that inner voice. It's kind of like when you brought up the billboard idea, you know, follow that magic or find your own magic. It reminded me of Joseph, Cam- Joseph Campbell saying, follow your bliss. I think yeah. that's a solid advice. I, I definitely uh, related to that um, a couple of years ago when I was still a student. So I appreciate that. And Bill, what would you say for yourself as a, because uh, you brought up college earlier, so that's going to be interesting to think about. If you were talking to a smart, driven college student, who's about to finish school and enter the real world, what would you say and what should they not pay attention to? So at first I was, I was going to, I was going to answer with stay out of the cities, which I still think is a good piece of advice, but I really like what Adam said. And it made me think about um, following the path with the heart that has a heart. And that's something I read in Carlos Castaneda's writings. Uh, So yeah, you know, if don't, don't go, you know, chasing, credentials or, or whatever money like do do what feeds your soul because that's what you're going to end up with after retirement hopefully if you get to retire right uh, and then what advice should they ignore i would say don't um avoid uh, avoid distractions like pick have a purpose right and keep that purpose in front of you and be driven and and don't get distracted because once once you get distracted you're drifting and anything can be a distraction right and so we want to avoid drifting i guess would be something they should ignore uh anything that which does not contribute to the purpose which they have chosen for themselves right on well i definitely visualize uh like a sagittarius type of figure an archer who has to you gotta be aware of your target and you gotta know what you're aiming for and if you don't have a clear target then how are you gonna know if you're succeeding or not so it's good to stay focused have a uh, minimal dis- distractions with a clear target. That's awesome advice. I appreciate that. It's a sin to miss your mark. Yes. Yes. Hamartia. All right. So we've got three more questions here. And for number nine, it says, what are bad recommendations you typically hear in your profession or area of expertise? So I invite you both to think uh, you know, obviously, you know, the three of us, we make podcasts and that might be our area of expertise or, you know, this hobby that we did that we have or whatever you might consider it to be. Um, but other areas of life, um, 
as like your profession or maybe things that you're really interested in? Uh, of course, you're welcome to speak on podcasting, but you know, I'm, I'm curious, what are some, what is bad advice that you usually hear in your line of work? Adam, what would you say? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that this is more along a philosophy that I have. You know, I, I pride myself on being very, a very good judge of character. Um, I had very good success rate doing interrogation um, with cases and just understand. I took uh, to the book note, I almost mentioned uh, the Wicklander book. Uh, Wicklander Zawiski is a, an interrogation broadcast, uh, process that is incredible. Uh, and understanding that people will tell you the truth and justify it and give you the information. And that you never want to force somebody to tell you something. You don't want to make people in your life do anything. And I do customer service now. So, um, you know, a lot of it is in just presenting things in the proper way and the right choices and um, just understanding that you don't have to try to force the world to be willed around you that in the way of, you know, magic words and spells that you can frame things properly and present things to the people and the world around you so that they understand them in a way where they choose to make a decision that is in line with you, but you're helping them see what you're trying to allow them to see and find it to be mutually beneficial. So, um, yeah, it's just that, uh, you know, don't try to force things, try to, try to understand that, you know, um, give people, give people options, even the bad options. You know, once they realize, you know, well, here's the one option, but if I know here's the bad option and the good option, well, now I feel better with my decision. And now I understand the perspective. And now at the very least, if you're going to be forced into this situation, I can at least make you feel better about it and maybe even be happy that you're in that situation. So yeah, you can take, um, as example, I had many, uh, many, many times when I would, you know, um, you know, be ending a case and somebody would be going to jail, you know, uh, or, you know, losing their job and having, you know, terrible repercussions, but having somebody thanking me or crying um, because the experience was not a bad experience. It is something that they wanted to bring forward. And so, yeah, just when you start to, to understand that, you know, you can really, you know, not, it's still a negative situation in that example, but you can really make it be, um, you know, the idea that, you know, nobody loses the argument that at the end of the day, we we both feel like it was fair and we both feel like, you know, we still have something. So, yeah, try to interface with the world that way, because if you don't, then you just you're going to be fighting the ocean and you can't do it. Yeah, that goes back to the idea of catharsis. And especially when you can share that feeling of catharsis as a group or, you know, as a team, uh, that's a great way to organized. And I, I feel like uh, it's funny that Taoism has been coming up a lot from you lately. And you talk about not forcing the Wu way. And, you know, when you speak with, with someone, of course, like you can really press them and get those answers out of them. But if you uh, allow them to feel comfortable, then like all will be revealed naturally. So I think those are wonderful points to make. And I think it's, you know, it's a really m motivational message as well that, you know, if you want answers, or if you want to build a relationship with with someone else then you really just have to put yourself in a state of ease and then allow information to flow back and forth between the two of you so it's a just a helpful message helpful message for me for sure i appreciate you, you saying that and uh bill the same question uh with a bad recommendation uh what came up for you when you thought about a not so good advice that you typically hear 
So I don't really have a good answer for this one, but I guess I could tie it back into the uh, uh, back into my earlier answer about getting divorced, right? So if anybody comes along and says that they have, like, if you meet the boot, who said this quote? Who, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. I know Alan Watts says that a lot, but it, it comes from yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I would just say, you know, if someone says claims they have all the answers, they probably don't. <laughs> Yeah, and that ties right back into Lao Tzu. He's saying, like, those who know don't speak, and those who speak don't really know. And uh, that's an awesome reminder. Uh, There's a lot of charlatans out there. But at the same time, you know, it's good to speak with your friends and your tribe and your family, um, but to always be in a state of, like, perpetual divorce almost. You know, I use that that phrase ironically, but it's like, uh, not getting too much tunnel vision and being able to pivot and look around. It's like what Adam was speaking about having a, a holistic view is very crucial. And it's been helping me a lot lately as well. Uh, thinking about career changes and things like that, looking at all sides of a decision or a person, if you're going to evaluate them. And for number 10, numero diez, in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? So they've have a couple examples on this list you could be saying no to distractions invitations and when you think about the process of saying no what new realizations and or approaches have helped you to make this decision to say no what would you say bill uh, first thought that came to my head was alcohol i stopped drinking in 2020 basically when everyone did the exact opposite <laughs> which I thought it was interesting, but uh, that really new realizations. I mean, it really shows you what your social uh, relationships are built around. And uh, yeah, so that's been a huge growing experience. And any any tips? Um, yeah, there's no uh, good alcohol. It's all poison. <laughs> so um, I'm not saying that. I think I was just having this discussion with my wife the other day, like alcohol is so it's such an old technology, really. Like this is a science that has survived cataclysms, right? Like yeah, so. it has, but the, at least, you know, for modern times, you didn't have the distillery. True. So, you know, as soon mm-hmm. as you can distill, now you're into super high potency as opposed to much weaker six, nine, 14% high end, you know, wines, uh, as opposed to being able to make grain alcohol 200 proof. That would be the big change in technology that I think has really negatively impacted man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, probably. I would I would say that contributes. And then just the whole idea of like them being spirits too. Yeah. 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 Having yeah, a black become a different and... person. Every it makes some people completely different. It makes you a different person. And yeah. I don't want to tell people it's a good experience, but once you've experienced it, yeah, you start to realize that there's a certain amount of like, uh, you know, the plants in the process made me into something different. Yeah. It's an alchemical reaction. And it goes back to the idea of being possessed as well. Like you see someone who's drunk and you know, they're, they're not themselves and they're, uh, they're being driven. Like you guys ever see, I know, uh, it's SpongeBob square pants and he's got like plankton inside of him and yep, he's like yep. controlling him. Like he's the homunculus or something. And, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you completely transform. So, um, Bill, that's amazing. And I'm inspired. I mean, I haven't had a drink in a while. Um, my brother got married last year, I think, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like funny to think about the, the relationship maybe when we're younger, 
it's um, more of a crutch and then you kind of grow out of it and you realize that there's um, a much better way to interact with your own spirit and why invite foreign spirits when you have so much uh, within you that can be um, entertaining or, you know, whatever reason you're going to drink. <laughs> But yeah, for sure. I appreciate that very much. And I'm proud of you, man. It's, it's badass. Adam, what do you think? If you have a, uh, a certain thing that you say no to, a distraction, an invitation, uh, what has helped you say no to this? What have you learned from that experience? Yeah, I would say I would stretch myself too far socially. Sometimes I'm feeling obligated to do events. Uh, getting rained on that just been a lot of, you know, personal health and, you know, responsibility issues in life that have just kind of reined me in in a lot of ways where it just kind of forced me to focus on, you know, the important things and realizing that, you know, I do need some padding and some free space and some time. And as much as it hurts, not cutting people off, but not seeing people or engaging in social events, just realizing that uh, uh, there's a negative, you know, dramatic negative side to that. But You know, sometimes, you know, you, you, you can't extend yourself in all directions because that's, you know, even worse. So, yeah, I would just say that I have uh, managed to just, you know, uh, prune, prune in my, uh, my feeling obligated is probably the word to do social things. In other words, um, you know, when the time is right, I am fully willing, but, you know, being very pragmatic um, in going, well, You know, if I do this, 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 and this, then I get no sleep and the next three days are going to be, okay, Monday's going to be terrible. Yeah, I can't do it. Mm. Yeah, it goes back to that birthday cake thing. You know, it's like you can make that that decision, mm -hmm. but if you're learning to say no to it, then you're also making a decision that has an effect on tomorrow and the next day. And I know in 2020, uh, I started to, to learn about Saturn and like the archetype of Kronos and Saturn and how... You know, Saturn is usually seen as something evil, but like when you think about time and how we deal with time and how time deals with us, uh, I go back to that quote from Knights of Sidonia by uh, Muse. It's like, don't waste time or time will waste you. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of the fact that like, you know, if you want to master time, then you have to be willing to have the, the discipline. And I love what Jocko Willink says, you know, discipline equals freedom. Um, that's someone who wakes up early to work out every day. So he's definitely mastered time and You know, he's very successful for that. So um, awesome answers, you guys. And, you know, we're about to hit the last question. And I think just before we we hit this last question, um, I want to thank you guys sincerely. This has been a lot of fun. And I feel like going back through this episode will be interesting because um, for a number of different reasons, but we have the, the three of us, we've been able to share a lot of cool insights. And I love jumping around to different topics like this. It's really fun. It's free flowing at the same time, but also, um, I like this a little bit of structure. My shows are not usually structured like this. So I appreciate you guys bearing with me as I do this for the first time but for number 11, when you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do and what questions might you ask yourself? Bill, what would you say? Okay. So I actually have two answers for this. The first one will be the truthful answer, which is smoking cigarettes, right? That's the immediate my immediate thought that came up. But uh, the second question, which I'm working towards, it would be breath work, right? Um, both have to deal with your lungs and breathing and and uh, taking a little moment to slow down and find your center again. Um, I'm currently still a, a tobacco smoker, uh, 
So I've, I've tried the whole vape thing and stopped for various reasons, but uh, I would say that I'm, I'm trying, I need to do a better job of being more mindful to transition away from that. Although I, I do, there are, is an argument to make that it is somewhat beneficial. Yeah. I mean, do you roll some... your own? No, I don't. Um, I would recommend that as a, uh, I roll one up every night and that's it. Um, I don't crave them all day. You know, I just, uh, have my routine. I do one a day or one every night, um, before I have dinner. And then after dinner, I go to bed and that's that, but that, but that's just me. And I appreciate cause the, the breath work is crucial there. Um, and that's a great way to regulate yourself if you feel overwhelmed, but I definitely see, uh, and I've experienced this too, as more of like becoming addicted to nicotine is having that, um, feeling of overwhelming, uh, anxiety almost. And, it's the perfect tool for that. But, uh, I definitely recommend, uh, getting loose tobacco and papers, roll one up every night. Um, maybe before dinner, after dinner, whatever suits you and see how that feels. But, um, that's just my two cents. Is there anything else you wanted to finish on? I didn't mean to cut you off, Bill. <laughs> no, I like your, I like that idea. I, Cause when I first started, I was smoking, right? I was very mindful. Like this isn't supposed to be a good thing. Right. So I, there was a time where I could do like just a morning or just an evening and it's i just it's got out of control so thanks for thanks for the encouragement i'll probably yeah i mean i found that as soon as you start um mm -hmm. it's harder to stop so like waiting till the evening when you've gone through your entire day your your neurochemicals have gone through a, i mean i i drink coffee and um all that so like i'm still ingesting some kind of stimulant but uh yeah waiting till the evening helps um cut down on like the craving which, you know, even if I like, if I miss a night, it's not a big deal, right? It's not like um, too much of a dependence, but it's kind of like more of a ritual. That's how I try to reframe it. Because you're right, the tobacco is very spiritually uh, renowned and it's considered anti-parasitic. So if you're talking about spirits, I mean, I think there's a reason why people who drink alcohol also say like, oh, I love smoking when I, when I drink because it protects you uh, from maybe invasive spirits. Uh, maybe that's just my woo woo esoteric view, but I think the shamans who have used tobacco for, uh, centuries might have something to say about that. Not that I'm a shaman, but I like learning about it. So it's my two cents there. <laughs> yeah. To add to that too, I recommend getting your own uh, tobacco leaves. I used to do that to buy, you know, large pieces of, you know, leaf organic. And I would just with a pair of scissors, do my own stripping, cutting up and rolling up, uh, especially when you're buying everything, you know, that has tons of different chemicals, uh, you know, clays to make them, you know, increase the weight so that they're, you know, technically a cigularo so that they have less like the amount of chemicals and things that they're putting into those. Uh, plus the fact that, yeah, it does matter what kind of fertilizer that they're using on it. If it's an organic, you know, what they're actually feeding it with, because, you know, tobacco picks up heavy metals and pulls and leaches uraniums and arsenics and things from the soils. And if you're using low grade, uh, you know, uh, name brand, you know, miracle products out there, they're, they're going to be infiltrated. So the cheaper stuff is not the better stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's. It's it's a nuanced path. I nuanced. You know, interface with nature at your own level. You know, try to try to keep the big corporate companies that want to make you more addicted that are putting in you know thousands of different chemicals that you just don't know what's in there. Mm -mm. Yeah, right on, right on. Well, if you feel overwhelmed and unfocused, uh, maybe tobacco isn't something that you reach for. Maybe it's something else, uh, Adam. You know, if you're 
if you're uh, okay, well, actually, before I, I ask you, I want to comment, Bill, on you know the breath work. Do you find that it's difficult to remember to do like a deep diaphragm breath? Because I think, you know, like the the deep breathing um, throughout the day is something really helpful. And do you have like a way to remind yourself, like, or do you ask yourself a particular question that prompts you to um, do some exercises like that? Do you have any ideas on that? Uh, so I read a book by Yogi Ramachakara called The Science of Breath. It's a very short book. It's only 88 pages. And there's a chapter in there uh, in, towards the beginning where he pretty much berates Westerners for breathing through their mouth and for not breathing properly. So, it, which, you know, involves your diet, you breathe from your diaphragm up, basically, right? So um, after reading that, uh, it's not that it's not that hard to, to remember just because he's, he's just so condescending about it, right? It's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's some good exercises that he gives in that book, which I try to remind myself to do every morning. So yeah. What's the book title one more time? Science of Breathing. The Science of Breathing. Very cool. Oh, sorry. Science of Breath. That's Science right. of Breath. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very nice little book there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe we all need a, a stern talking to and be like, hey, you know, don't be a mouth breather, my friend. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to end up like, uh, well, I'll, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Adam, we have one more question. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? And what helpful questions might um, guide you to fix this problem? Yeah, although I love Bill's answer, usually to me, it's it's the opposite of if I'm feeling overwhelmed and unfocused, it's trying to find myself focused and not thinking, you know, so as a kid, it used to be, you know, video games or Legos, you know, I would uh, try to get super focused and into one thing nowadays, you know, it's usually hopping on to, you know, Xbox and playing, you know, uh, Halo or something like that where I can just get myself, you know, really just into highly focused moments and things. And it's funny because I, I, for a while, was considering that to be like a negative impact. Like, like, what am I really doing, you know, in this moment? It seems like a waste of time. But I have uh, noticed that, uh, like, my typing speed and, you know, the ability for me to focus and look at different things has drastically increased, you know, so it's affecting my, you know, mental... Um, abilities and snappiness in different ways. And, you know, from that aspect, I kind of gave into it a little and started to say, you know, as long as I'm, you know, not wholly focused on this for the entirety of the day, there's actually benefit that's coming out of it. And, you know, uh, shame on me for, for wanting to assume that nothing good would come from it that. So yeah, I don't know. Um, so at least when I'm, I'm, I'm focused in playing, uh, my goal is in the back of my mind, it's not just having fun, it's getting better. And it's looking at every situation and scenario and just having that, that internal focus um, is beneficial. Because then after I, you know, get out after an hour or two, uh, I feel really amped and ready to do other stuff. Sorry, I had myself muted there. It's awesome. Uh, I was about to say, you know, you guys are both out of the proverbial hot seat now, as you, as you like to say at, at the end of your interviews. And um, this has been fun. I uh, appreciate, once again, the structure. I don't normally do this, so it's fun to have uh, something to fall back onto. And uh, I think, you know, just as I kept, ha as I've been saying repeatedly, you know, this has been a cool variety of different insights. And, you know, we've touched on a lot. So, I don't know what I'm going to name this this episode. It's going to be fun to 
ask the uh you know my etheric muse to help me with this but uh, i appreciate you guys immensely and you know i wanted to ask you is there any kind of um announcements or promotions or plugs that you want to give our wonderful audience before we say farewell today well when was when is this going to come out um i would say this um on Monday, which is uh, so right now we're at February 18th. So Monday, February 20th, I will uh, premiere this on YouTube um, in the evening. And um, I can also wait to upload the audio on the same day. But I usually put out the audio first and then premiere it on YouTube a few days later. Okay. So, yes. Okay. How about we do this? We do have a big announcement. I guess I'll tease it here a little bit, but uh, 13 Questions will be releasing an episode within the next few days also. And so we'll have the full details on that episode. If uh, listeners want to just look out for the next uh, 13 questions episode, we have some updates regarding uh, future hosts and uh, future projects that Adam and I will be involved in. So uh, there are uh, things are progressing and evolving and there's opportunities out there to be had and taken advantage of. So uh, let's just, uh, I don't want to give out too many details, but, yeah, head on over to uh, 13questionspodcast.com and uh, look out for the new episode coming out uh, probably probably tomorrow, but Monday by the latest. Right on, gentlemen. Adam, any last thoughts or words of wisdom for our lovely listeners? No, uh, I'm a true believer in uh, what I said before, you know, find your own magic. Um, you know, so uh, Bill talked about 13 questions. I had a podcast I did on remote viewing called uh, Cat in the Box. I uh, haven't done it for a year. Got plans to be diving back in here uh, in the near future through a bunch of uh, wonderful circumstances with my co-hosts. So I'm excited to get back into that. But no, um, uh, experiencing stuff like that has been a game changer. And if you don't have anything in, in your life that uh, conventionally people around you don't believe in, that science tells you shouldn't be real, try to find one of those things. Try to experience it. You know, try to focus back on, you know, your previous experiences, things that you might not have, you know, thought of as paranormal. Uh, talk to most people and ask them, have you ever had a paranormal experience? No, 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 no. Okay. Um, well, have you ever seen a light in the sky that you can't explain? Have you ever heard a voice that's giving you information that was useful? Have you ever had a premonition? Have you ever thought about somebody calling you before they did? Go down the line. Did you, you know, experience a loved one coming back to you, seeing, you know, a light that was spiritual? These questions... You know, uh, you know, any one of those, you know, a large portion of people will answer yes to, and then they go, oh yeah. So think about your own life, try to find that magic and prove it to yourself. And then you can start focusing on where you want to go in the world and how to perceive it and not what's being told to you is possible because I'm a true believer that we're living in a domain of pure information with infinite possibility. And the only difference is it's where are we from now and where can we go? Because the cell phone in your pocket, the TV screen in front of you, it's an amalgamation of the earth. Somebody at some point in time had a had a dream, an imagination, a thought, a bit of creativity. And through working together, through thinking, and all we did was think and move our bodies in a different way, we took the stuff out of the earth and we turned it into this experience that we're having. So whether you can, you know, uh, communicate telepathy with somebody throughout the forest, you know, when you're truly focused on yourself, or you can do it through a Zoom call you know, uh, across the world, there really is no difference and don't believe that, you know, one is the only way it can be done. 
I can feel the magic today, my friends. I'm grateful for both of you and I'm looking forward to doing something else in the future. And I think we have a lot more to discuss just from this last hour or so. So I'm looking forward to following up and I want to leave everyone with a thought. Um, I was just inspired. Uh, this is a, a quote from uh, Alan Watts that has been used um, in, in a cool song. Um, what's the guy's name? Akira the Don. He's uh, put together this cool Alan Watts album. So the quote goes like this. I wonder, I wonder what what you would do if you had the power to dream any dream you wanted to. With that, my friends, I uh, wish everyone happy days, health, wealth, and prosperity. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace.